beginning a series today called When Desires Go Bad. Would you take your Bibles and go to the book of Romans, the sixth chapter? In just a moment, we're going to be turning there. As you're doing that, let me talk to our campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. I know today that you've already experienced worship. You've experienced a time together in that local congregation. And now as we get ready to go in the Word of the Lord, would you get ready to receive what God has for your life today? Now, we're talking about when desires go bad. Let me ask a question today. How many of you have desires? Would you look to your right and to your left? Come on, hold it there for a second. Would you look to your right and to your left? If there's somebody's hands who's not up, they're dead. <laughs> See, our, our initial reaction when I ask that question is we all get freaked out. Oh, I, I can't admit. Uh, let, me, let me just tell you what a desire is. A desire is a state of mind that has different effects. A person with a desire tends to act in a certain way, feel in a certain way, and think in a certain way. So desires, in, in the sense of understanding of humanity, when we come from a, a Christian perspective, we understand that God placed desires within our life. God gave you desires. God gave you the desire to succeed. God gave you the desire for companionship. God gave you desires so that you and I could fulfill the destiny that he has for us. Our problem is, is when those desires go unmet through the Lord and we find ourselves in a place where our desires have gone bad. Now, the, the, one, the one, I think, uh, greatest secret we think, but really is probably an open truth in the body of Christ, is that within Christianity, there's a whole lot of lying going on. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. We pretend that we don't have any desires that have gone bad. We say, well, I got saved. If you come from old school, I got saved and sanctified. And I have never wanted to sin since then. Really? We, we, we have this misconception of thinking that just because somebody gets saved, that their desires are then going to come in complete alignment immediately. And yet what we find from the Scripture and we find from reality, I've been doing this for a long time, is that we find that people, even though they're believers, have desires that have moved to the wrong perspective of life and that have even become life-controlling issues that we refer to as addictions. Christians. It will go a lot better if you just go ahead and nod. Because the, the issue is, is that we want to pretend that nobody who's a Christian has any problem with addictions. And so we hide our addiction, whatever they may be. We, we hide those desires that have gone in the wrong direction because, we, well, we're told if you get saved, you'll never have struggle again. If you really get saved, you'll never have a bad day. If you really get saved, you'll have plenty of money and everything will be wonderful and you'll never, ever struggle again. And yet what I have found from the human experience is, is that there's a whole lot of Christians just faking it. Let's talk about addiction. I'm going to read a little bit. I don't normally do this. Addiction is the continued use of a mood-altering substance or behavior despite adverse dependency consequences or a neurological impairment leading to such behaviors. Addictions can include but are not limited to alcohol abuse, drug abuse, exercise abuse. I don't have that one. 
pornography and gambling. Classic hallmarks of addiction include impaired control over substances or behavior, preoccupation with substances and behavior, continued use despite consequences and great denial. Habits and patterns associated with addiction are typically characterized by immediate gratification coupled with delayed effects. Physiological dependence occurs when the body has to adjust to the substance by incorporating the substance into its normal functioning. In other words, just to be normal, you got to do it. This state creates the condition of tolerance and withdrawal. The term addiction is also sometimes applied to compulsions that are not substance-related, such as compulsive shopping, sex addiction, uh, compulsive sex, overeating, problem gambling, exercise, sport, and computer addiction. Sometimes a compulsion is not to do, but to not do. In these kinds of common usages, the term addiction is used to describe a recurring compulsion by an individual to engage in some specific activity despite harmful consequences as deemed by the users themselves through their individual health, mental state, or social life. Now here's where we've got to come to today. We have to understand, and here's, here's my sermon title. I thought long and hard about this, and, and I'm going to be as spiritual as I know how to be with my sermon title today. All right? Here's my sermon title. I can't get no satisfaction. That's, that's my title. The great theologian Mick Jaggers. I, I, that's, that's where we are in life. That's, that's what happens with our desires when they go bad. But being a Christian, I believe that the Word of God gives us some insights in how that we can learn to conquer areas of life that have gone bad. The Word of God talks to us in the book of Romans, the 6th chapter. In fact, over the next few weeks, we're going to be in Romans 6, 7, and 8 every Sunday. So I would encourage you to get familiar with that. In fact, if you're struggling with some life-controlling issues, I would encourage you uh, to begin to read Romans 6, 7, and 8 every day. Just get it in your spirit. Get it down inside of you because I think it's helpful. Beginning in verse number 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, I, I understand when you begin to look at the whole process of behavior that's gone bad and desires that, that have become addiction, I, I understand that there are, are many levels to this. I, I'm not trying to uh, be in any sense make light of. I understand that there's psychological. I understand that there's physiological. I understand all of that. But I also understand at the root is sin. And so today, I'm going to help us look at the perspective as a believer, as a Christian today, I'm going to help us to look at how you and I need to deal with this whole aspect. And over the next few weeks, we'll be talking about some other things. You say, well, Pastor, how, how do we get to a place of sin? Well, sin happens when we don't trust God above everything else. Sin is, is that whole aspect of, of doing what I want instead of what God wants. See, destructive or sinful behavior happens when our hearts don't really trust God. 
When, when, we, when we look at it and, and we don't worship God as we should and we don't trust Him as we should and, and, and we begin to say, well, you know, I've got this desire. And, and let, me, let me talk to you about desires. Desires are not bad. This should have been an amen. amen. Desires are not bad. God gave you a desire to eat. It's bad when we overeat. God... God <laughs> Let me help a lot of you. This will this will really mess up a Sunday morning. God gave you the desire for sex. We didn't come up with it. He created it. It's when we use it in an illicit fashion that we get in trouble. God gave us a desire to achieve and succeed in life. It's when we turn it upside down and abuse and misuse people that we get into trouble. The book of Matthew, the 6th chapter, the 21st verse is a, a very familiar passage. And it says, for where your treasure is, there's your heart also. And here's what I found through the years as, as a Christian and as, a, as an individual who is on this journey with you. That whatever you treasure most is the thing that has your heart and your heart controls your life. And so we start off, we don't mean to get into addiction. We don't mean to get to that place where our desires are ruling. But we, we find ourselves at times where, where our sinful desires are now moving us into a place we don't want to be. In other words, we're made captive by those desires. In, in and of themselves, they're not wrong. But what happens is, is that when you, when you look at society, especially in, in the Western world, we think that the more free we are, when we break away from God and we break away from everything the Word of God says, we think that we are going to become free, but what really happens is, is that we become enslaved. And, and so I, I've got to come to that place of realizing that patterns that were in my life that have enslaved me through my own desires at this point are those things which probably happened in, in childhood, in my teenage years, in my young adult, and now as life is being lived, I am still dealing with those issues. You say, well, how does this work? Well, the book of James, the first chapter, verse 14 and 15, says, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire." Now understand, all sin is from desire, by his own evil desire. In other words, there's aspects of us that aren't the best. Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, those things that I want to do, I don't do. He said, those things that I don't want to do, that's what I do. He said, I find that there's working in me a law of sin and death. And so James is talking to us there and says, look, your evil desire is what entices you. And says he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now, that's, if you are a Christian today and you're listening to me, then that's how we find ourselves struggling on a daily basis. Now, there may be some of you here today and some of you who are listening to me that you've got it down. You, you, you're not struggling with anything. You are perfect. If that's you, then you can kind of check out the next few weeks. And we, we will welcome you when you come back. 
But for the rest of us that are on this journey, that there are aspects of life that we have not gotten control of yet, I would encourage you to hang in here. And, and let's see how that we can come to this place of living and overcoming abundant life. How, how do I get with sin? How do I find myself in sin? Well, James says that sin begins with desire. Desire in and of itself is not wrong. The, the desire that that young girl has for affirmation from a male figure is not wrong. Fathers, you don't know the importance that you play in your little girl's life. But what happens is if they don't get the right kind of affirmation at home from dad or dad's not there, then as they begin to date, they think that if they can get the male affirmation from this guy they're with. And then that leads from one thing to the next, and before we know it, this girl now finds herself in a place that she never meant to be. Because that desire was not fulfilled in a godly way. A young man goes off to college and he's lived for God and been obedient to God, but he gets to college and, and there's the pressure of the moment. And everybody else is drinking and everybody else is doing drugs and everybody else, and in that moment, he opens the door and and the great truth is, is that the majority of people come through that pretty much unscathed. But there's a large percentage that can tell you the day they took their first drink at a college sorority or fraternity and how they have had to fight it every day of their life. There are people who are listening to me today that can remember the first time you saw a pornographic magazine. The first time you took a drag on a cigarette. The first time that you took some kind of illicit drug. You can remember the moment. And if you could do it all over again, you would never open that door. Because now you constantly deal with desires. Come here, listen. You hear? People at church will lie to you. People at church will tell you if you just love God, you'll never have that trouble again. People will just tell you if you'll pray enough and if you'll fast enough, you'll never be tempted again. You ready? There, sitting in churches, worshiping God, loving God, and genuinely loving God are people all over the world today who, when they walk back out of church, are going to experience a desire that has gone wrong, that if they're not careful, it's going to control them all week long. A sinful desire, understand this, a sinful desire is a desire that has become more important to us than God. 
That's, that's what it means here. So sin begins with desire, and, and as we look at that, but it doesn't stop there. The, the Scripture says that that desire produces illegitimate life. In other words, we, we begin to try to meet the need through something. I wish for a moment that the camera was not on me and it was on this audience. Because there are some interesting looks coming this way today. People can't decide whether to be holy or real. And some of you have an interesting grimace on your face right now. I just want you to understand that in all of our lives, nobody sets out to have desires go bad. I, I don't believe that there's, if, if you were to talk to anybody who is addicted to anything, And it's interesting how, how we can play that game. It's, it's interesting how, how that we can look down our nose at the, the meth user, but, but, but hang on, just because a doctor gave it to us, we're just as addicted. We have to have it. But we feel holy and look down our nose at somebody who has to pick up a six-pack every night just to get through the night. And I'm not even going to talk about gluttony. Because the altar would be filled. And, and the problem in the church today is, is that we, we don't understand that this desire that produces this illegitimate life is because I'm trying to birth something without God. And when I try to do it without God, it always produces sin. And so God says, I'm giving you desires for certain things and in certain ways. And, and, and we all say, uh, you, you know, I, I, well, I have this desire. I, this is the way I am. And it's, uh, listen, do you realize that every one of us have some stuff? Well, this is how I was born. This is how I was made. This is, do, do, you, do you really realize? I, I'll say this. I was born a liar. Y'all all right? My mom's here today. But... She can back this up. I, I, I mean, when we were in Africa, they, they, would, they would consistently, the, the, the people on the mission would go to my mom and my dad, and they would say, oh, Eddie can lie. <laughs> now, I, I got a decision to make. I can just lie about everything, or I, I, I do remember this, is that at some point it got so bad in my life that they made me memorize Revelation 21 and 8, which says, All liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And you do see, I still remember. <laughs> I may not know John 3, 16, but I know Revelation 21. So in, in the setting of what we are looking at, all of us have desires that pull us in certain places, but we have to determine, are these desires, once they go off the track, and off the track means that they're not living up to the Word of God. You say, well, pastor, it's a sickness, it's a disease, and, and, and I, I, can, I can see that. that. That may mess with some of you. But here's, here's what I know. It is because we have allowed evil desires to become the predominant 
aspect of our life. Nobody wants to be a person who is addicted. But we get there when we allow this illegitimate life to come alive. So it, it, it's in all kind of ways, success, prosperity, companionship, all of these things were created by God. But if we're not careful, what we do is, is, is that we, we miss the understanding that all of, all of those were created by God. They have all been defiled by man. And, and so the only way that I can have equilibrium in my society that I'm living in is to say, what does God's Word say? I, I can't go by what the psychologists say. I can't go by what the doctor says. I can't go by what the lawyer says. I can't go by what the government says. What does God's Word say? And so as a Christian, I have to base everything on that. And when I look at that, what I see is, is that sin works in my life. And third thing that sin does is sin produces death. How many relationships have been destroyed over an addiction? How many marriages have busted up because somebody went to Tunica one too many times. How many marriages have gone off the rail because somebody had to have one more drink? They had to have one more, they had to do one more thing, and because of that, death came. I mean, little boys and girls go to bed hungry tonight. Because there's a mom or a dad who has to have just a little bit more of whatever their drug of choice is. And so they'll take the last dime they've got, not because they hate their children, but because they are in such bondage that at that moment, the only thing that matters is them. And see, that's what sin is. Sin is fundamentally an orientation towards self. It's about me. It's about what I want. I mean, if you study the Scripture, you find that in heaven, before there was an earth, in heaven, that Satan had a desire. His desire was, he said, I want to be like the Most High. I want to ascend above the heavens. I want to have His throne. I, I want, I desire. Adam and Eve, the first man and woman and, and, and on earth. And as we, we look at that, Adam and Eve, the Bible says, and Eve saw the fruit and she desired it. Why? Because she thought the fruit could meet a need that only God can meet. Putting our desires, what I want, at the center of my life always produces death. I hope that you're just looking at me and intently today because you're taking this all in. Because I believe that one of the tragedies of the 20th century was is that we preached everybody into hell but gave nobody a way to live in the grace and the goodness of God. And so as you look at this, as you look at those issues of life and, and, and those desires that have gone bad and that have now turned into an addiction, and, and again, it's interesting how we, we can justify ours, but look at somebody else and say, can you believe? How can they do that? How can they live that way? 
So how do I get, how do I get my equilibrium back? How, how do I get to that place? One of the things that we have to do is that we have to come to an understanding that, that it's not about my pleasure or my success, but it's about what God wants me to do. Let me give you a scripture, and then I'm going to give you three points and we'll close. I'm not going to give a poem, though. Well, y'all remember back in the day you had to have three points and a closing poem, right? No poem. What we have to understand is, is that in, in life, even though we are Christians, the habits... The lifestyles that we live. Now, yes, I understand, and I, and I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get emails this week saying, well, Pastor, you've got to understand, I was instantly delivered. God bless you. You are the exception, not the rule. Do I believe in, in the power of God to deliver people? I have seen it happen. I know it happens. But I also have been doing this long enough to know and I have lived in my own skin long enough to know that I have prayed about some things till my tongue almost fell out. And I still struggle with them. Don't come asking me. It's none of your business. So how, how do we get to this place? And, and I'm going to be real biblical here for a few moments. How do we get to this place of conquering wrong desires from a biblical perspective? It's going to sound almost so easy that it, it, you, you want to just shove it off and say that it can't be, but I, I think Scripture bears out that we can come to this place. N number one is you have to admit it. Romans 6, 12 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. In other words, you've got to confess your sin. You, you've got to say, I've got an issue here. Now be careful who you say that to. Because some of your friends don't need to know. Because it will become the latest topic on Facebook. And they will trash everything about you. So be careful who you admit it to. In fact, you might just start off admitting it to God. He's safe. He is. You know what? I'm not on Facebook, but God isn't either. There's no page for him. And if there is, don't go to it. There'll be some other junk on there. Now, so, you, so I, I've, got, I've got to come to that place where I admit it. In other words, I, I get it out there. Secondly, Romans 6.13 says, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. The, the second thing, and again, I know it's going to sound cheesy. and it, the, the second thing is quit it. The Bible says that we're to bring forth fruit under repentance. Pastor, that's easier said than done. I know, I know. But, but here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that you and I are to consider ourselves dead, but that we are to offer ourselves unto God as fruit of righteousness. Now, here's our problem, is that we have failed so many times. We have come to church. We have been prayed for. We have gone to the front until we're embarrassed to go to the front again. We, we have had everybody and, you know, anybody anywhere that ever prayed for anything to pray for us. And then we find ourselves six weeks, six months, six years down the road in the same mess 
that we have come to the place that we believe we're going to fail. Instead of understanding that through the power of the name of Jesus Christ that you and I have been given the victory. So I've got to admit it. I've got to quit it. Number three is I've got to forget it. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Thank God. Thank God for grace. In other words, I'm not under condemnation. The Apostle Paul said, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ. If you are a Christian today, you may still be struggling with some stuff. But I've got good news for you. God still loves you. He has not kicked you out of the family because you've got some, some desires and some things that have gone bad in your life. And I think I'm to the point in one sense that I just don't care anymore about trying to put up a religious facade to make somebody else feel comfortable around me, that I'm just going to tell you that there are a lot of us who are still struggling, but the Bible says though the righteous falls seven times, he arises again as long as we keep getting back up. I may be down, but I'm not out. I may have failed, but I'm not stopping. I, I may have found in my life this area that is so out of control. And again, that word, I'm not sanctified in that area. But Jesus Christ loved me. Jesus Christ saved me. Jesus Christ keeps me in his family. And I have no condemnation. And if you don't get anything... If you don't receive any word today that I've spoken, please understand that if you are a believer today, you may fall, you may fail, you may struggle, you may go through things. And yes, I believe that we ought to be trying to do our very best to do better. But I want to tell you, even when you fall, God still loves you. And if there's anything that's a freeing word today that the church needs to proclaim to our world is, come on down. We don't have it figured out yet either. We're on a journey. And that journey has some pitfalls. And here's what I know, and I close. Nobody gets through life without some scars. Nobody walks this walk without some wounds. Nobody lives this thing, even that we call Christianity, without finding themselves in places of failure sometime. And so God's word to us today, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about more of this, is there's therefore, now, right now, no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Would you bow your heads today? There are some of you who are here today as I have spoken. As you've heard these words, maybe it's brought hope to you. Maybe you're a person who's not a believer today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ because you knew you had some stuff in your life. 
You knew there were some issues in your life. You knew there were some things that you didn't have a handle on. And you're here today and you just say, Pastor, I really want to be saved. I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord today. I I know that his blood was shed for me and, and I want to repent today. In other words, I want to change my mind, change my direction and go the way God wants me to go. If you're here in that place today and you just say, I want Jesus as my Savior, would you lift your hand anywhere in this building right now? God bless you back up in the risers, back in the middle of risers, down here on the right, thank you. Come on, anybody else, just real quick, we're back up in the left risers, thank you. You say, I want Jesus in my life today. I want to be saved. Another one over here on my right, thank you. Up in the middle risers today, God bless you, thank you. Now, again, with our heads still bowed and our eyes closed and respecting the privacy of each other, as I preach today, you said, Pastor, that's me. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I know Jesus, but I've always struggled. I've got some issues. I've got some desires that have gone bad. And today, I want Jesus Christ to touch me. Would you just lift your hand anywhere in this building right now? Come on. A lot of hands going up. Come on, just, just lift it. Don't, don't be ashamed. Do not be ashamed this morning. Remember, no condemnation. Here's what I want us to do. I don't normally do this. Would everybody in the building please stand? Come on, everybody stand up with me. If you lifted your hand, would you come and let, let me just pray a pastoral prayer over you. Just leave your seat. Come. Let me pray over you. All right? Don't, again, don't be embarrassed. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I, I just want you to take that step of faith today to kind of break what the enemy keeps telling you and that is you're not loved you're not really saved you really don't know God all those things that he tells you if you really had it together you would never think those thoughts or do those things it's just not true see there's some things that come to a pastor that he can't preach in his 20s because he'd be considered a heretic. If I preached that when I was 25, they would have run me out of town on a rail. Because bless God, everybody was living right and doing right and spitting white. But in your fourth decade, you just say things. You just tell people because you've dealt with enough that you really don't care anymore in the sense of who am I trying to please I'm not trying to please people any longer I'm trying to help people I'm trying to give people hope in their life to know that you can overcome so I just want to pray over you if you're here today and you need salvation here's how you get saved Again, the word repentance means to change your mind, change your direction. Just ask Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me today. Let the blood of Jesus Christ wash over me. Lord, today I'm making a decision to follow you from this day on. And I receive you into my life today. Come and be my Lord and my Savior. 
The Bible says if you confess your sin, he's just and faithful to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You know what, though? That's not just when you get saved. That's every day of your life. Can I give you one scripture and I'm going to pray over you? Here's what the Bible says. If you walk in the light as he is in the light and you have fellowship one with the other, it says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth, that's present tense, cleanseth us from all sin. That means that as believers, if I'm in fellowship, I'm a believer. And it says there is a continual cleansing in my life as I stay in fellowship with the body of Christ. I don't know about you, that's wonderful news to me. Wonderful. I just want to pray over you. Father, I thank you today. I I thank you for my friends who stand here. I thank you for people who... Lord, are here today, and to a lot of people, it would seem like their issue's not that big, but to them, they're tired of it. There are others who stand here, and God, there are all kind of life-controlling issues that they're dealing with. But God, we're all coming today to the foot of the cross, believing that there's hope and there's help in you. Lord, we've looked everywhere else. We've looked at everything else. Our, our desires have run rampant, and all they've brought to us is suffering and death and pain. And so today we're coming once again, and we're just saying, well, we're not giving up. We may got down, knocked down, but we're getting back up. We're coming back. And we're not going to wallow in the sin of our life. We're going to get up every day purposing to be victorious, to yield our bodies as instruments of righteousness unto you. And when we fail... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, whoever liveth to make intercession for us. So we choose that today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord together.